life. Help us to share today in the victory that Jesus gives us that we might inherit all these blessings. Come be our God and we would be your children. Let's worship and sing. Because worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Let's sing again. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Sing a new song, sing a new song, to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Let's declare who he is. He's the Holy One like this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. with the rainbows of living God. Filled with rainbows of living color. Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Let's sing in honor, strength and glory and power be to you the only wise.
Good to, good to be with you tonight. Welcome to our Saturday 6 p.m. community. This is Christian Assembly. Thank you so much for being with us here on a Saturday night. My name is Marvin, one of the pastors, and it is great to be with each and every one of you this evening, especially, especially those of you that might be here for the very first time. You're a visitor, you're a guest, somebody invited you, you said, my New Year's resolution is to get to church, and you are here. I'm glad that you are here. So we want to welcome you into this place. Uh, you can help us to identify you, tell you more great things that are happening at Christian Assembly. You can fill out the connection card. That connection card is in the seat back in front of you. You can grab that card, fill that out, drop it in the offering bag. Someone on our staff team will call you as a way of saying hello. And we just want to get to know you a little bit. You can also, if you're new, you can also stop by the new people's table. That's out in the lobby. And there you get some more information. We'll get your uh, information as well. And again, there's a free gift for you as a way of saying thank you for being with us this evening. If you are joining us online, I want to say welcome to you as well. Thank you for being with us. Hope you're having a blessed time wherever you may be. Well, I've got some amazing announcements. We're starting off the year really strong here at Christian Assembly, so I want you to track with me because there's some really important things, really exciting things that are happening. All of this information, of course, is in your bulletin. It's on our app. It's on our website, so please make sure you check out those resources of information. But the women of Christian Assembly are hosting a women's retreat this year. It's happening March 8th through 10th, and ladies, you should be excited because weekend retreats are an amazing way to get away from the city, from the busyness of life that is Los Angeles. Go out to a beautiful place out in the mountains. Worship God with other women. It is going to be amazing. Make sure you are registered. Already, there are 200 women that have registered for this women's retreat. That's a lot of women already registered. So the space is going to fill up fast. So please, ladies, get yourself registered for the uh, women's retreat happening soon. You can go on our website and sign up there. And for men, we've got something for you this Wednesday night, guys. This guy, this Wednesday, I know, I know, guys are excited. This Wednesday night, we will gather in this room right here at 7 p.m. We have a quarterly men's gathering, and that's going to be happening. Guys, start your year by being with us being with the men of Christian Assembly. Uh, we're going to hear an amazing word from the Lord. We're going to worship together. We're just going to have a great time. And, of course, there's going to be some coffee and donuts so you can meet with other guys and, and talk and just uh, hang out a little bit in a more relaxed setting. So, guys, this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., be here. On your way out, you're going to receive a magnet with all of our dates for 2024. So you can stick that on your refrigerator. You can stick that in your car. You can stick that anywhere magnets stick as a way of saying, hey, be, be with us. I don't know what happened. Uh, as a way of saying, be with us in 2024. Okay, magnets work. Yeah, metal, metallic places. You know what, what they do, right? Um, all, there's a photo booth out in the courtyard. Make sure you stop by the photo booth, take a picture, and invite other guys on your social media pages. Uh, we are looking for prayer team volunteers. Prayer team members are those that help us at the conclusion of each service, pray with those that might be facing any kind of need or just want to spend some time in prayer. And so if you are, if you have a heart for prayer, if you want to go deeper and serve and you're looking for a place to serve, we would love to talk to you about that. In fact, we're having a training on Saturday, January 20th from 9 to 11 a.m. That's going to be happening across the street. In the North Sanctuary, room number 30, up on the third floor. So you can join me there. We're going to have a, an amazing time of getting to know prayer a little bit deeper and, of course, being trained for uh, prayer training teams. So if you want to be on one of those teams, please come on out on Saturday, January 20th. Uh, your bulletin has more information on that. Perspectives is a 16-week discipleship program that's really aimed at helping clarify your kingdom call. And so if you've been kind of thinking about how can I be more involved, how can I be more missional in my life, this is the class for you. Perspectives is happening in January, Monday nights, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. And that uh, includes uh, the, the $200, $40 cost includes the cost of dinner each night. So really, you're just getting free dinner every night uh, and uh, an amazing teaching. So come on out for Perspectives and uh, be a part of that. The early bird rate for that ends on January 7th. So Make sure you check our website and how to register for that. Again, all of this information is in your bulletin. It's on our website. It's on the app. So you can follow up those information, sources of information. We're going to continue in our time of worship by offering the Lord of our tithes and offerings. And as we do, want to read scripture uh, to us. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And what a word for 2024, that we place our trust in him and we worship him in this way. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, we do. We trust you, Lord. And one of the ways that we do that is by worshiping you through the giving of our tithes and offerings. We worship you in song as well, Father God. And so we just want to be people that have a heart for worship, Lord. So would you cultivate that kind of heart in us, Lord Jesus, by focusing on the ways that we trust you, your trustworthiness, Lord. Thank you so much that every time, time and time again, you prove yourself to be faithful, Lord. And so that's why we worship. So bless this time now. Bless the rest of our service. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, you may come. Well, it's great to be with you to my church family. What an honor and a privilege to start this first weekend of 2024 together. And of course, to any visitors or guests, uh, great to be with you. So glad that you're here. Those of you who are online catching us, uh, whether through our app or through our YouTube channel, great to be with you as well. I love you, church. I've been praying for you. I pray for you every single day. In fact, I've been telling you that for a while, and uh, a number of you are like, hey, we just want you to know that we pray for you too. So I know that. I know it goes both ways. I thank you for that. I'm proud of you, grateful, and I love you. Uh, also want to greet those of you who are on the 1115 South. Great to be with you as well. Well, our Christmas services, as you know, they happened two weekends ago. We had uh, 56 people make commitments to Christ, um, including an additional 16 who said they wanted to get serious about investigating faith. Another 19 people, which probably included some of the 56, said they wanted to get baptized. And 102 of you filled out a response card in some way, shape, or form, including wanting to join a life group, wanting to grow, uh, wanting to find your place to serve. And if you are one of them, I just want to say way to go. And I want to say I'm proud of you for taking your next step with Christ. Well, my wife has a milestone birthday coming up on Monday. And uh, several months ago, I asked my wife, what would you like for your birthday? Now, let me just, let me preface this, guys. Um, if, if you're not yet married, I, I want to give you a pro tip on marriage. Never ask your wife a question that you don't know the answer to already when it comes to a gift. Because once, once you say, what would you like, you're kind of obligated to fulfill whatever that is. So I said, what would you like for your birthday? I, you know, I said, a big, a big celebration, a trip. How about some quality time with your adorable husband? Isn't that what you would want for your birthday? You name it, and, and I, I'm, we're, I'm on board. And she named it all right. She said, I'd like a black lab puppy. That's what she wanted. So here's what I learned. Um, I'm adorable, but I'm not as adorable as a black lab puppy. So she picks out the breeder. We get the pup. And uh, here's uh, what our puppy looks like. Yeah. Now, we've put pictures of me up there before, and people are like, whoa, that's amazing. So that, that's our little puppy. And the first two weeks, as you see, she, she looks sweet. She looks calm. I'm talking about the puppy. My wife looks sweet and calm as well. But if you sat on the floor, the, the puppy, her name's Callie. She came from Calliope Farms. Callie, she would crawl up on your lap and let you pet her. And, and so we take her to the vet to just get checked out as part of the deal, and we noticed that she was, she seemed a little sick, and, and uh, we weren't certain what was going on. Take her to the vet. Turns out she had a parasite in her intestine that was sucking away her health and making her, making her sick. But the good news was the vet said, look, if you, if you get this antibiotic shot and these meds, it'll take care of the parasite, which it did. And once that happened, everything changed. <laughs> Our little calm eight-pound puppy doubled in size in a matter of a few weeks. Her energy picked up. She's bounding around our yard. In fact, we have another picture here. Uh, just take him. That was just uh, like last week or whatever. Took us 38 shots to get that one shot. <laughs> so she looks calm. You're probably thinking, why isn't she looking at the camera? That's as good as we could do with 38 shots was to get the dog staring off to the distance. Now, here, here's my point. When the obstacle got out of the way, our little lab puppy, she grew. She, she sprung to life. Why? Because that is how God has designed his creation to work, to grow when we are healthy. Healthy puppies grow. That's what they do. 
They, they grow when they're healthy. But so do healthy people. And spiritually healthy people, you begin to grow when you're spiritually healthy. When you get whatever the obstacle that is holding you back from growing, when you get that out of the way, you begin to grow because that is how God has designed us to work. Now, most people I have ever met, and I've met a lot of people in my life, just like you, they want to grow. There, there's very few people, I don't even know if I've ever met anybody who's like, you know, listen, I, I'm, I, I don't want to grow in the new year. I'm hoping I stay the same. I'm hoping nothing changes. No one I've ever met whenever they have kids. They never say, well, we had kids and I hope they don't grow. I'm hoping they stay immature forever. That's what my goal is for my kid. I'm hoping they're just immature forever. We never make an investment in, in finances and say, you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping this investment doesn't grow. I'm hoping it shrivels up over time. We never say that. We never plant a garden and think, I'm hoping these seeds that I'm putting in the ground, I'm hoping they just say seeds. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for. That's the best that I'm going for. So this week, we kick off a brand new five-week series that we've entitled Miracle Grow, God's Plan to Grow Something Greater in You. And each week, over the next five weeks, we're going to see and discover core principles from God's word that God has put in place to help us grow, because that's God's will, is to help us grow. And we're going to consider that, but before we do, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of all growth, and that the way you have designed your kingdom to function in our life is that it, it starts small, it starts like a, a mustard seed, but then over time, it grows. And so as we step into 2024, God, whether we're online, whether we're at the 1115 South, whether we're gathered here now, we ask that you would help us grow. As we come to your word, would you speak to us? Make our hearts to be good soil, to be receptive. May we not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We pray in this new year, in Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to the center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there for you that you can fill out as we go throughout our time together. You'll also see the scriptures directly from the Bible, God's word that are all collected there for you. In the teachings of Jesus, one of the main themes that he speaks about is something called the kingdom of God. And if you looked at all of Jesus' teachings on the kingdom of God, one of the the main metaphors that Jesus uses in speaking about the kingdom of God are biological metaphors. So he talks about uh, vine and branches. He talks about seeds falling on different types of soil. He talks about yeast growing through an entire lump of dough, uh, and the biological examples could go on. In fact, here are two such uh, biological parables, picking it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. It says this, And Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone uh, would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and, and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain is ripe, at once he goes with his sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all the shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Now it's clear from these two parables that God's design for the seed of the kingdom of God in your life is for it to take root and for it to grow. It's only when something gets in the way that growth is stopped or, or growth never happens. So let me ask you, as we step into this new year together, a question I've been reflecting on, a question I've been asking myself, what if anything is getting in the way of the seed of God's kingdom growing to full, fruitful maturity in my life. Now, if we step back for a moment from the pages of the Bible and we looked at God's design in creation, 
What we see in creation is that God's biological plan for growth, God's biological plan for design includes seven core things, seven life principles that every living thing on planet earth, whether it's a plant or whether it's an animal or a human being, seven core principles that we must have in order to live and to grow. And these seven biological core principles are an acronym called Mrs. Gren, Mrs. Gren, G-R-E-N. And though these are principles that we observe in biology, we actually also observe them in the pages of Scripture as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and look at the first three principles this week. Next week, I'll give you the final four. These are seven things that we need to have in our life if we want to grow this year. And if we have these seven things in our life, we will, in fact, grow. The first thing is we need movement. God will grow you as you use your God-given muscles. Biologically, muscles grow by use. And every living thing on planet Earth has some way of moving. Like even plants, if you set them on a windowsill and the sun is on one side and the house is on the other, a plant will slowly shift its flowers and its leaves towards the sun to capture the sun. I know many of you would know that, but you might not see it. It might be imperceptible at first, but if you did time-lapse photography, you would see that, that there's movement. Movement is part of life, and muscles grow by use. Spiritually, faith is like a muscle. It grows when you use it, not just when you have it. Your bicep doesn't grow just because you have a bicep. Your bicep grows when you use it. In fact, listen to this from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. We're told train, that's another word for move or movement, train yourself in godliness. For while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise both for the present life, so it's going to give you value in this life and the life to come. Gary Haugen is the founder of an organization called the International Justice Mission, which works to combat human trafficking. And he once told a story about when he was younger, and he went with one of his brothers, I believe it was, to uh, a gym. And in one part of the gym, there were all these mirrors, and that part of the gym apparently had been reserved for people who were bodybuilders. And so they would go there, and they would work out, and they would stand in front of the mirrors, and they would flex. And they would do all these different movements to kind of flex, and they would look at themselves in the mirror, and they'd flex some more, and then they'd, they'd go and work out a little bit, and then they'd flex a little bit more. And so he observed them, these guys like standing in this section, flexing in the mirror. And so he went over, and he asked one of them, he was younger, they were older, and he asked them, he said, what are all your muscles for? Like, what do you use them for? And the one guy thought for a moment about it, and he kind of chuckled, he's like, well, mostly we just use them for flexing in the mirror, but sometimes I open stuck jam jars for my mom in the kitchen. And Haugen said he walked away and he thought, what a waste. All that training just to flex and to open jam jars? Every Bible study you've ever been to, every prayer you've ever prayed, every sermon you've ever heard, it's not just for you to flex. It's not just for you to open a jam jar. It's to train you to do what God has called you to do this year, for you to have the faith and the courage to step forward and use your God-given muscles. What muscle has God given to you that he wants you to use for his glory and the good of others in Jesus' name this year? Now, most people, when I speak to them about this, if I'm talking one-on-one -on -one or in a small group, Often someone will say, well, well, Tom, listen, surely God has someone else that he can use. He's got to have someone else that he can use to lead my friend to Christ, someone else to give, someone else to serve. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. But then usually I ask this question, other than Jesus, who do you know that is perfect? And the answer is no one. And who do you know that knows everything? And the answer is no one. 
the way that I see it and the way that the Bible teaches it, God is looking for imperfect people who don't know everything and are humble enough to be used by the perfect one who does know everything. We just have to be willing. Sometimes faith just looks like the willingness to try without even knowing if it's going to work, without even knowing the outcome. Jesus, he once told a parable about a sower who sowed seed on four different types of soil. In fact, last weekend, Ralph taught on that parable. And usually when we talk about that parable, we talk about the four different types of soils, and that's appropriate because that was the main point. But there's a secondary point, I think, that's buried in that parable, which is this. Think for a moment about that parable through the lens of the sower. That sower went out, and he sowed, and he really sowed abundantly. He was just scattering seed all over. He wasn't just like placing it only in one spot. It was like hard soil, you know, shallow soil, cluttered soil, good soil. He's throwing, so- he's throwing seed around. But then, then look at the story, and three-fourths of the way through the story, it wasn't going so well. Seed had fallen on the hard soil, the shallow soil, the cluttered soil. And at that point, the sower, he has a lot of disappointment. There were some false starts. He, he saw some things like shoot up and take root, but then got choked out by the weeds. And the sower's got to be thinking at that point, like I tried to use my spiritual muscles, so to speak, to, to sow God's word, but three-fourths of the way through the parable, it's yielded nothing but heartache and disappointment. You ever feel like that in life? Yeah, Tom, I know. Use my spiritual muscles. I tried. It didn't work. I tried. I, I scattered seed. I, I did all that. I'm three-fourths of the way through my life, and it's not working. And that's exactly what's going on with this sower. And this is, I think, where, where endurance comes in because we've all felt that way. It's interesting. People, when they relate to a pastor, particularly if they don't regularly attend a church, like they have, it's like they've seen an alien. They don't know what to do with you. They either think you're like the worst person on the planet, even though they've never met another pastor, or they think you might levitate. It's like those are the two options. Like, you know, you either walk on water or they're like, you know, you're a unicorn. I don't even know what to do with you, right? But let me just tell you, as a pastor, every single pastor I know, we didn't drop on planet Earth this way. We have our own faith journeys as well. Well, we're trying to use our spiritual muscles too. You ever feel like, Tom, I tried, it didn't work. Yeah, I've tried too. It hasn't always worked for me either. But that's where endurance comes in. That's where faith comes in. That's where perseverance comes in. Well, Tom, you don't understand. I I tried to share faith with my friend and they didn't come to Christ. Yeah, I've had that happen too. I've had that happen multiple, many times. And some of the people who said no to the gospel of Jesus Christ when I talked to them, 20 times, it was the 21st time whenever they said yes to him and became a follower of Jesus Christ. And some of my friends have said to me, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for continuing to pray for me. Some of you might be thinking, well, it's not for me about evangelism, but I I tried to restore the relationship. The relationship wasn't restored or it feels like my prayer bounced off the ceiling. And, And this is where endurance comes in. This is where we have to try again This is where we have to use our muscles again. You want to grow? You have to have movement. You have to use your muscles. In the parables that Jesus told that we just read, he tells us that first there was the stalk, then the head, then the full-grown grain in the head. See, growth here is a process. It requires time. It requires endurance. Imagine if we had a farmer, and the farmer came and said, Tom, you'll never believe what happened. I planted a seed Uh, yesterday morning, and then I went out to look in in my field, and there wasn't an orchard, and so I give up. We would be like, you're the worst farmer ever. Like, that is not how you should expect this to occur. We'd think they were nuts. And yet, in our instant culture, the slow process of spiritual growth can often feel like nothing is happening. We give up, I think, oftentimes too early because growth doesn't happen all at once. It's bit by bit as you move and you use your spiritual muscles. One of the key ways to to grow spiritually, I believe, 
according to God's word, is to serve others. As we know, this thing called the church, it's a volunteer organization, and God set it up that way. The role of pastors is to equip you all, who the Bible calls the saints, to equip you for the work of the ministry. So part of my role is to equip you to help you find your ministry, your way to administer the grace of God in your relational radius, your way to use your spiritual muscles by serving. And I know so many of you volunteer and serve, and I just want to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, it requires over 100 volunteers every weekend just to do kids' church, not even counting student ministries. Our student ministries volunteer team is the largest it's ever been, and that's because you're stepping up and you're saying yes and you're using your spiritual muscles to serve. All of our teams that are up here that, that play drums and sing and all that, they're all volunteers, and everybody who's running the back side of the house, the tech and the parking lot and the ushers, they're all volunteers as well. There's just volunteer life groups all around that are volunteering, and that's you all. And if that's you, I want to say thank you. I know so many of you are doing that. But for those of you who call Christian Assembly home and you're not serving, I want to tell you, you are stunting your spiritual growth. I promise you, you are. Some of the greatest growth that I've seen in my life has simply come from being willing to step up and serve others. Don't let past disappointments and pains and busyness and hardship keep you from trying again. By the end of this parable of the sower, after enduring the hard soil, the shallow soil, the the cluttered soil, the sower gets to see the result of him, of his movement, of him, him using his spiritual muscles, because some of the seed falls on good soil And he gets to see a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold. I'm convinced both biblically as well experientially that the will to persevere and using your spiritual muscles to serve God and others is often the difference in our life between areas where we see growth and areas where we see no growth. The areas where we see no growth, we often stop persevering and we stopped moving and using our spiritual muscles. The second core principle we see from biology and God's word that every living thing needs to grow and live is respiration, respiration. God will grow you as you learn to daily rely on the Holy Spirit. Biologically, respiration is just a fancy word for the process of breathing. Every living thing needs to breathe. People need to breathe. Animals need to breathe. Even plants respire. If you aren't breathing, you aren't living. And if you aren't living, you aren't growing. In fact, breathing biologically is part of how we have the power to live. It's part of the energy process of how we get the energy to even move our muscles in the first place. And so relying on God's Holy Spirit is how we have the power to live the life that God wants each one of us to have and live. In the Hebrew language, the word for spirit is ruach, ruach. And it's also the word that's translated not only spirit, but it's also translated breath or it's translated wind. So in the Old Testament, King David, he had committed the sin of adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, who was another man's wife. And eventually God sends the prophet Nathan to confront confront, uh, King David about his sin. And in the aftermath of all of that, David wrote Psalm 51, and this is the first part of the psalm. David's crying out to God for mercy, but then by the time we get to the back half in verse 10, it says this. David writes, and I'm really writing a prayer, and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new right spirit within me. Do not cast away from me your presence, and do not take your holy Spirit, your Ruach Kadesh from me. Look, if you want to grow, you have to learn to to receive and rely upon God's Holy Spirit to help you grow, to help you turn from sin, from temptation, to live with the, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, to move towards God's good plan for your life. 
In fact, by the time we get to the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost that God pours out his Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And the day of Pentecost had come. That was a, a day of uh, 50, 50 days after uh, the first fruits, the first harvests would come in. They had this day of Pentecost. It was a celebration of the harvest. It says, when the day of uh, Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, what's interesting throughout the book of Acts, if you read all of the book of Acts, there are other verses that speak of being filled with God's Spirit after Acts chapter 2. For example, in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, we're told that Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to speak to a group of leaders. In Acts 13, 9, we're told that Paul, being filled with the Holy Spirit, confronts someone who was trying to oppose the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, we're told not to quench the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16, we're told to walk by the Spirit. Now, Sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, Tom, if I'm a Christian, if I commit my life to Christ, do we have the Holy Spirit or should we expect repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit? So, so do I have the Holy Spirit and it's kind of like, I got, I'm good, I got it? Or is it like I should expect an ongoing pattern in my life? Well, if you considered the whole of the biblical teaching on the Holy Spirit, plus what the word means, both in Hebrew as well as Greek, I think the metaphor that God has given us is breathing. So if someone asks me, Tom, do you have breath or are you breathing? Yes. <laughs> I both have breath and I am also breathing. I didn't get one breath at the start of my life and God said, that's it. That's what you got. You got that? That's good. You got to make it all the way through the rest of your life. I, I, I have breath and I am also breathing. It's not one or the other. It's both. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. According to John 16, verses 7 and 8, he comforts us. He guides us. According to John 16, 13 to 15, he reminds us of all that Jesus has said. According to John 4, uh, 14, 26, he gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. According to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11, and he grows the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. According to Galatians 5, 22. If you want to grow deeper in your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and why that matters for your life, I want to encourage you to go back into our archives, whether through the app or the website, to an 11-week series that we did on the Holy Spirit in, in 2019. And you can listen to it or you can view it. And uh, we didn't know what to call the title of the series, so we just called it The Holy Spirit. So it should be really easy for you to find in the app, The Holy Spirit. And it's who he is, what he does, and why it matters in your life. Also, just want to encourage you, if you're like, okay, I heard that series, I want to keep growing in my knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, over the break, I read a really great book by Max Lucado, a well-known pastor. He's, he's one of the most prolific writers of Christianity in the modern times. And he wrote a book about the Holy Spirit called Help is Here. I read it over the break. I thought it was fantastic. I want to encourage you if you're like, hey, I want to read a book that's going to help me grow and is going to help me understand who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit functions in our life. I encourage you to read that book by Max Lucado. Help is Here. Or go back and listen to the series we did, The Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, and why he matters in your life. The third principle that we see that every living thing has to live and to grow is an S, meaning sensitivity. God will grow you as you respond to what God is doing in you and around you. Every living thing, plant, animal, human, has sensitivity. If you do not have sensitivity biologically, then you are dead or you are never living. The reality is that spiritually, God can be doing something around us and we can miss it. Why? 
because we can harden our hearts. In fact, Hebrews 3 verse 12 says this, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So we can harden our heart. And this isn't just one passage that talks about this in the New Testament. It's a running theme. In Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 20, speaks of people who've lost all sensitivity because they hardened their hearts to God. And two of the markers that were given in that passage is that they indulge in sexual immorality, which is anything that is sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, and that they're full of greed. Those are two of the marks. How do you know if you're hardening your heart? Look at your sex life and look at your financial life. 1 Timothy 4.2 speaks of people whose consciences are dead. People say, well, my conscience didn't bother me. Well, that could be a good thing if your conscience is alive. So if your conscience isn't dead, you got to make certain your conscience isn't dead, that it hasn't become hardened, it hasn't become calloused. So if we want to be spiritually alive, if we want to grow in 2024, we're going to need sensitivity. But sensitivity to what? What type of sensitivity are we talking about? Does that mean that we just watch a lot of rom-coms and cry at the movies a lot? No, that's not what we're talking about. Does it mean, you know, are you going to be like walking around with your feelings hurt all the time and you're like, you know, Pastor Tom told me to be sensitive and you hurt my feelings all the time? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about being sensitive to what God is doing. Be able to see and sense how God is working. Jesus in John 5, 17, in his defense to people who are attacking him said, my father is always at his work, even to this day, this very day, and I too am working. If God is gonna grow something greater in us as a church family and in us individually in 2024, we have to grow in our sensitivity to how God is working. And we do this so that we can align ourselves and participate with what God is doing so that we don't fight against what God is doing. So first we need to be sensitive to what God is doing in and around you. And and a big part of this is that you need to know God's word so that you don't go sideways by claiming that God is doing something in you or around you that God's word declares he will never do. Just because you say, well, this is what God's doing in me, this is what God's doing around me, if that contradicts God's word, it is not God who's doing that. There are other spirits other than the Holy Spirit who can be at work in a person's life. What I can tell you is the more that I know and apply God's word in my life, the more sensitive I am to what God is doing in me and what God is doing around me. But then also, we're not only sensitive to what God is doing in us and around us, we need to be appropriately sensitive to one another's needs. Romans 12, 16 says, be sensitive to each other's needs. Don't think yourselves better than others, but make, um, make humble people your friends. Don't be conceited. So biblically, to grow in sensitivity means that you're able to see and sense what God is doing in you as well as around you, including being sensitive to others' needs. What is a need as you step into this new year that someone you know has that God has positioned you to meet? It could be a financial need. It could be an emotional need. It could be need for encouragement. It could be need for instruction in God's word. It could be the need of someone to pray for them or pray with them. You might have a friend who doesn't know the good news of Jesus to explain it to them or explain it again. It might be a need for someone for you to serve them or to comfort them in some way. Now, this first week, I've given us the first three principles that every living thing on planet Earth has to have to be living and growing biologically. Movement, respiration, sensitivity. Because the kingdom of God is most often referred to as a biological metaphor in the parables. It helps us understand how God wants us to grow as well. Now, the danger is this, is that we can take these three things and we turn them into some type of legalistic list. 
Okay, I got it. I got my marching orders for 2024. I'm going to go make it happen on my own. But that's not really what Jesus is saying by these parables of the mustard seed and the crop that grows from the seed. I tend to think of it this way. God's plan and God's design and his principle is for me to grow in 2024. It's not something that I have to go make happen on my own. But also, I need to pay attention. Because if I'm not growing, then that means something's inhibiting, something's stopping my growth. It's kind of like our new puppy. Once we had diagnosed and correctly remedied the parasite, our new puppy just began to grow. She wasn't like talking to us all the time, like, I'm going to try really hard to grow today. It just began to happen because that's how God designed her once we got the problem out of the way. That's how God has designed us to be when we're functioning properly. It's the same with the kingdom of God in our lives. When we are living life in Christ, when we move, when we use our spiritual muscles, when we respire, when we breathe, when we rely daily on the Holy Spirit, when we grow in sensitivity to what God is doing in us and around us, how he might want to use us to help one another, we begin to grow. Next week, I'll give you the final of the four principles that every living thing has that God has given us so that we can grow by his design. But this week, may we use and may we reflect upon these three principles to see how God might be inviting us to grow in the new year. Let's pray. That first principle is movement. So between you and God, before we even come to the communion table, just take a moment to reflect upon your life. What spiritual muscle or muscles has God given you to serve in his kingdom in some way? And this includes all the spiritual gifts that God lists in the Bible, that God gives to each person who comes to Christ. You get at least one spiritual gift when that happens to use to build others up. And for those of you who are already, you're growing in your faith, you're using your spiritual muscles, I want to say, well done, keep it up. For those of you who are like, I want to grow, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to use your spiritual muscles in some way. How is God asking you to do that? Where might you begin to serve others in a way that's different than how you have been? That second letter is an R, respiration. How can you learn to grow in your daily reliance on the Holy Spirit? Too many people try to make the Holy Spirit something that he is not. And for some of you, you might be like, well, I've heard of the Holy Spirit, but I don't know much more than that there is a Holy Spirit. Your next step might be to learn about the Holy Spirit. Maybe go back in our app or website and listen to the series on the Holy Spirit. Those of you who are are learning to rely on the Holy Spirit in biblical ways, you already know that you're growing each time you do that. Your life is being filled with the fruit of the Spirit each time you do that. Or how about the S? Sensitivity. When's the last time you could see what God was doing in you and around you. And then you chose to get involved with that. No holding back. Where's God pointed out to you to be sensitive to someone else's needs around you? Whose need might you be positioned to meet in some way as we step into this new year? And as you do that, not only will their need be met, but you'll begin to grow or you'll accelerate your growth in Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, before we come to the communion table, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. This new year doesn't just have to be another year to try a plan of resolutions. Resolutions aren't bad. They're good. But the reality is that we need something greater than ourselves if we really want to be made new. God created us in his image so that we could be in relationship with him. You have inherent dignity, worth, and value because of that. Male and female, he created us. Yet sin entered the world. We all freely have participated in it, and the wages of sin is death. And yet the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ that he's come to give us as a gift. You can't earn it, but you can receive it. And and John 1, it tells us in John 1, 12 through 14, that those who received him, he gave the power to become 
adopted and become children of God, adopted into the family of God. And so if you're ready to say yes to him for the very first time, you can just say, God, I'm saying yes to you as I start this new year. I'm placing my faith in you. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I want to turn away from them, and I want to turn to you. Teach me a new way of doing life. Teach me the Jesus way. And give me the good gift of your Holy Spirit that I might desire to do that and follow through. Give me the gifts you want me to have and build the fruit and grow the fruit of your spirit in my life. If you're saying yes to him for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Your next step is to be baptized. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took a cup and he said, this is the cup of the shedding of my blood, the establishment of the covenant. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And what are we remembering? We're remembering that we cannot save ourselves. We're remembering that we can only be made right with God through Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf for people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every generation, and both genders, he's come, that we might come to him by faith and say yes to him. And so on your seat on the way in, there was a little uh, container that has juice and it has a cracker, and you can go ahead now and, and take that. Lord, I pray as we do this, would you set these elements apart from the mundane to the sacred as we remember you now? and what you've done for us and our salvation. If you're a believer, you can go ahead and take the cracker now, remembering his body was broken for you, for us and our salvation. Likewise, you can go ahead and take the juice and drink it, remembering that the blood of Christ was shed for you. That's how much he loved you, even to the point of death, for us and for our salvation, as we come to him by faith. As we start out this new year, may we find our fellowship with God to be rich and deep. May we find it to be growing. May we find ourselves to be moving and using our spiritual muscles, learning how to respire and, and breathe in and breathe out and rely upon God's Holy Spirit and being sensitive to what God's doing in us, around us, and how we can reflect his love and glory to others around us being sensitive to one another's needs and loving each other well. May it be so of us, Lord. May it be so of Christian Assembly in this new year, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.